KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, good morning, good grief. It's about to snow. The temperature's diving. Winter is upon us. No surprise there. It's been sneaking up here for a couple of months, and we have this to talk about as well as all the things related to your home, your office, your buildings, any place that's indoors that requires any kind of maintenance on your part. Phone lines here on KMOX. As always, no new numbers there, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Toll-free anywhere on the globe, 800-925-1120. Now, as, he, as you go off to buy your ice melt for the day, the weekend, the coming time, perhaps you've got some cashed away in the garage or basement, wherever you're thinking of, but if you go off looking for those things we'll talk about the various ice melts as we go through the first hour this morning so take me along here with you two ways uh right here on your am radio 1100 am dial or on kmox.com on your smartphone anywhere you go on the globe as well as radio.com radio.com a smartphone app that you can take anywhere you like and uh, one of the nice things about that especially as we get into ice melt and specific topics products and things like that uh, you have an instant rewind so there's a 20 second rewind on radio.com what did he say back you go oh it was calcium chloride not magnesium chloride that he talked about so anyway we talk about that and more but I just want to key off we've got some very cold temperatures I want to talk about preparing your home the consequences of closing the drapes opening the drapes closing the doors on your cabinets opening the doors on your cabinets and ways to keep the home warm and evenly dispersed that heat throughout your home whether you have steam heat hot water heat forced air heat of which is gas uh, heat pump uh, resistance elect all the various ways so we're going to talk about heat today we'll talk about how to get it to your plumbing pipes and the uh, various ways to keep those pipes from freezing uh, today is really not a big deal when you get sunshine outside uh, generally there's some sort of normal radiation heat that uh, hits your building and uh, becomes part of you know keeping pipes and, and buildings from freezing now we'll talk about concrete and how that affects doors opening and closing or the resistance and the jamming of door you'll see that it sometimes feels like the deadbolt or the lock set is stuck and indeed it may not be it may be the threshold freezing heaving lifting up and pinching the door in the frame very tight so Getting out in an emergency remains always um, rule number one, rule part of being safe in your home. Uh, likewise, as we heat a little bit more, uh, gas appliances, oil burning appliances, things like that, how we manage the carbon monoxide, the venting, the exhaust, we'll talk about that as well and how it relates to snow. Anyway, we've got two hours today, no guests, all you 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Today at 1 o'clock, we go up. The next show is Retire Ready. Retire Ready here on CAMWEX. But there is a lot of things to happen here on this day. So uh, anyway, stay tuned. Lots of things happening. The temperature, the weather, 
how we prepare for it. We've got very cold temperatures in the soil. So the pavement gets cold. When the temperature gets cold, likewise, the sun heats it up a little bit, but, you know, maybe, maybe not where you are. Just keep in mind that as we balance this heat throughout the house, um, that also affects whether those plumbing pipes get heat. And keep in mind, if there is a plumbing pipe on an exterior wall, in other words, you're on the inside, maybe it's a bathroom, and right on the other side of that wall, four or six inches away, is the outdoors, the outside, whether it faces north, south, east, or west, that's an important part. Those pipes are the ones that try to freeze because they can lose heat through that outdoor part of the house. Whether or not there's insulation in it, that's where the heat is removed, if you will, by the cold or absence of heat outside. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Ice melt, cold, heat, preparing for ice, snow, and freezing plumbing pipes, all of that today on University of KMOX. My name is Scott Mosby. I've been on this show for a better part of 20 years, actually more than that. I think I'm in my 24th year now. I like that. Uh, Part of why I'm still here is I love this stuff. I'm a student. Uh, I never stop seeking or searching for something else, a new idea, and then running that through the filter of my experience and the knowledgeable people around me. Will that work? Uh, Because there are a lot of products on the market, a ton of products that are really high quality products that seem like they would work. And then when you put them in place, part of an assembly, as we call it in our world, in other words, you put, you know, the window in with the wall and the framing and the insulation and the sheathing and the siding, drywall, paint, base, all when you put it together like that, does it really make a difference? Or is it just another piece of something else where you spend a ton of money on the whatever that thing is, that part, and the whole wall or the assembly or your house or your comfort may not really change. So I I put that through those filters. And uh, for example, you've got uh, um, the, the experience of our industry about 25 years ago around exterior stucco, uh, EIFS, exterior insulated finish system. Really a great product and method because it puts the insulation like a big parka, a big overcoat around the overside everywhere on the house. It covers the studs in the two by fours in the walls, the two by sixes, the plywood, everything except the windows and doors. So whether you get heat trying to move through a two by four, two by six, this outside insulation is really a whiz-bang thing. What happened, though, is they figured, you know what, we'll just keep the rain out. We'll build this thing tight. We just won't let the water in. And, uh, you know, we'll protect the house that way. Sounds pretty good. Good old St. Louis. We have 100% relative humidity in the summer. In the wintertime, we can easily get 60% relative, which means of all the water you can hang in vapor form in the, in the air, you have wet air. So the ambient or the, the um, air inside your wall cavity where the insulation is and all this whiz-bang stuff, it's wet. And when it hits the dew point, temperature drops, you get high enough humidity and low enough temperature, all of a sudden, just like that iced tea glass out on the patio in the middle of the summer, when that glass gets cold enough, the humidity in the summer day condenses in droplet form and you get a sweating uh, iced tea glass. 
Uh, so that's the concept that goes on inside. Oh my gosh, now. So we've got moisture inside the walls and vapor. For Then it turns into water. And now we've trapped it with this whiz-bang outdoor thing that doesn't let the water in. You know, you know, it may not let the water out. And we created some serious problems. Structure and uh, health, mold, indo indoor air qualities, all kinds of things by not letting the house breathe and dry itself just like our bodies need. We get all these whiz-bang underlayer garments that allow perspiration to move away from the... Well, the house needs the same thing. Everything gets wet, everything gets dry, and when we limit or think we can overcome Mother Nature, when we changer, stopper, controller. We generally don't get along too well, and uh, just the sheer power of Mother Nature reminds us who's in charge. Phone lines 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, we're going to talk about health, comfort, heat, and freezing pipes here on KMOX. Two hours today. Bring on the phone calls. I'm ready, and I'm just loaded for bar right here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, home improvement. Good morning. Welcome, Scott Mosby, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. When it gets as cold as it's heading down this evening and tonight and overnight in the next few days, when it gets down in the teens, despite all you've heard about all the ice melts, it's rock salt. Rock salt tears up your concrete, no question about it. But when you get down below 15 degrees Fahrenheit, it takes the um, staying power, um, the high chloride content of sodium chloride, rock salt, to melt that, to melt that ice. Uh, that's why when you get out into snow and ice country out in the mountains, ski area, that kind of thing, they put down sand because they can't really melt the stuff. And if they do, it gets so cold at night, it turns into sheet ice. So they put in abrasive sand. And, and for us around here, a safer version of that might be a kitty litter. You know, just a kitty litter. It dries things out. It'll pick up the moisture. But I urge you now, as we're going into this, uh, uh, you know, precipitation snow, fall uh, plus or minus four o'clock this afternoon get any ice melt out now before first off it's warmer more comfortable uh, number two it pre-treats the concrete so any snow and ice that freezes on your pavement does so above the pavement off on the other side of this barrier if you will um, and if you have sealed your concrete sealed your asphalt sealed your deck whatever that is that tends to keep the water from soaking into the pores of whatever that material is and freezing and biting and really grabbing so it makes any snow shoveling snow blowing when it gets this cold we're likely going to have kind of powder snow and it might be better off with a broom or a blower to remove that snow, uh, but we'll wait to see just what happens. So keep that in mind. Just my message, pre-treat, and when it gets down really cold, we're back into rock salt, uh, as nasty as it is for concrete. But keep in mind, rock salt does not affect asphalt doesn't affect asphalt other than it is an abrasive and you can grind it in so it's like sandpapering kind of your deck. Uh, let's go to the first caller. Talk to my friend Dan. Hey, Dan, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help you this morning? Yes, hello. Yes, sir. Good morning. Um, I have a 22-year-old uh, home, all brick, mm -hmm. 
and it's a ranch style. And our northeast corner is what we call our sunroom. And we have our thermostat set for 72, but the sunroom is usually 5 or 6 degrees colder, especially in the night. And I didn't know if there was some way to boost the furnace to get more heat to that room. Um, it also has uh, nine windows and one door, and it has two floor vents. So I don't know if you have any suggestions. Well, uh, just the heat loss calculation, what the house needs at 72 degrees setting on a thermostat, it will indeed get 72 degrees because it's, you know, whatever, four-sided, six-sided, eight-sided. But when you effectively have an appendage room, a sunroom that sticks out and has a lot of windows, then it loses heat much more rapidly than the mothership, the rest, the rest of the house. So it either needs mm-hmm. a second separate thermostat and therefore second heating system, or you need to move the air through that, and that would be leave the furnace blower motor on, any doors and windows open, because if you've got floor registers, you likely don't have a return air, and this is very common in sunrooms. Uh, there's just no way for that cold air to get, be drawn back in through and to the furnace, heat that up and, sp- and spit it out. But the issue primarily is it's a long way from the furnace, it has a standard size ductwork, so it needs a lot more heating and a lot more cooling, both winter and summer. Uh, mm-hmm. In the short form, I would put out supplemental heat, uh, like a baseboard heat or something like that, because it just needs a ton more BTUs than the rest of the house. So you're suggesting about leaving the blower on? Yes, I, I will advocate that. When we get into these cold temperatures, one of my messages today generally with everybody whether you you know whatever kind of heat you have is move whatever heat you have in the house around circulate it so that you get some heat into those cold spots you get some cold spots being moved through and drawn back in to heat the air so always like the mix master blender in the kitchen mix it all up get it all one color slash heat temperature and keep it moving number one but even if you do that and leave the doors open to this sunroom, I promise you it will still be five degrees cooler because it just needs a ton more heat. You follow so what I mean? And that's where you get like to the, the sun. To leave the fan on? Yes. Definitely leave the fan on. Even um, fans in the house, you know, pushing that air more into that sunroom. Uh, but if you really want it to be the same temperature as the rest of the house, um, you need more BTUs delivered right in that room, and that would be you know, mm. either a, a second furnace, a heater, baseboard heater, a supplemental portable heater. You just you know, make sure you have the electric, you know, electrical circuits for that. Um, but that's what it's going to take, just more heat. Good. I guess uh, like our thermostat is located at the other end of the house. Yeah. Um, I guess that doesn't have any effect on anything if you move that to more of the central part of the house. Well, if it were in the center, it will uh, it will heat the house to the to that temperature around that thermostat. So if you were to move that thermostat out into your sunroom, that furnace would huff and puff until it made that sunroom 72 degrees. The rest of your house would be 88 degrees. 88. <laughs> yeah, you right. see what I mean? Okay. Just because it doesn't need All that right. much heat. 
But that now, mm-hmm. let me gotcha. get into this. I'm going to open another can of worms here, Dan. Um, there are uh, dampers or opening and closing devices that go in your ductwork, and then you can put a thermostat in each room. And then what happens instead of blowing all that air into the rest of the house the way it's set, because all your dampers are, are set and they just go the way they are, is then if it's trying to get more heat out to the sunroom, it may close off the airflow by closing those dampers or these open and closed doors almost inside your ductwork. And it'll uh, slow down the amount of volume that goes to your house and pump a whole lot more of that warm air to your sunroom and try to balance the house better that way. Now with the internet, uh, we've got Wi-Fi actuated um, uh, dampers and all that. But you know you're going to spend two or three thousand dollars trying to get mm-hmm. that done, and then you your Wi-Fi has to be rock solid because if your Wi-Fi goes down, you know they can't talk to each other. So okay. how's that for us? Well, enough? I thank you for the suggestions and have a great day. Yeah, run your blower motor all the time from now, frankly, until spring. Um, It'll filter the air. It'll average out the hot and cold spots, uh, close any window blinds you have. But in doing so on these cold temperatures, uh, if you have a good humidifier and humidity inside your house, you will have frost on the inside of your windows in the morning because you've trapped that cold air. You follow all that, Dan? We... uh... We have a ceiling fan in that sunroom also. Should we be running that? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Running that on? Yes, sir. Okay. Because that'll mix up those hot and cold spots, and then the return air, make sure those room doors are open, uh, and then the the floor register will supply to that room and then draw it back through the rest of the house. All righty. How's your golf game? Uh, It's improving. (laughs) Oh, good. <laughs> I, I, you know, I sit and practice, you know, at, at 12 degrees or whatever, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, right, Sharon. All right, God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Camwex. How's that for a thought? Golf. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Well, it, you know, you know, can you improve your lie if it's on ice or just on the snow? You know, just a topic for conversation. You know, is do we play winter rules or summer? Well, okay, winter rules, that's obvious. But can you move your ball off of a chunk of ice to put it back on that fluffy snow? Yeah, if you're asking that question, there may be other services that we have to apply for you. Uh, let's check with my friend here, John. Hey, John, good morning. Welcome to Wax. How can I help? Yes, um, I got two questions, please. Um, first of all, simple green. Can I use them on my cabinets? Yeah, sure. You betcha. Simple green, simple green is just a detergent, but instead of having, you know, sulfates, you know, some nasty chemical things that do a really good job of cleaning stuff, it's just sulfate-free. So basically, it's it's more plant-friendly, you know, pet-friendly, all that. So simple green is just a clean version of a detergent. Okay. Second question. I got a 1954 solid brick home branch mm-hmm. my kitchen faces the north mm-hmm. is there any way i could get my cabinets uh, not my cabinets but my top the flooring and uh shelving and all that on top cool or uh, warmer it's real cold in the winter yeah that well the reality is they take on 
that two temperatures, number one, the air temperature, so if you're heating your house to 68 degrees, that countertop's going to be 68 degrees, and then compared to 98.6 or 98 degrees skin temp for you and me, you know, that's 30 degrees cooler, so you put your hand on that countertop, and it's going to draw the heat out of us like a big vacuum cleaner. Yeah, uh, so I it feels that. cold. Now you put that thing on the outside wall of a house, especially a solid brick house. In 1954, that's full masonry, so you probably have concrete block, you know, brick on the outside, plaster. You know, I mean, it's a it's a cave, and it's a big stone made metal cave. So now the countertops touch that wall. Well, those walls on the outside, six inches outside the countertops, you know, the outdoor temperatures, 18 degrees. So those countertops also radiate or they dissipate the heat away from the house so those countertops instead of being 68 degree wind air temp inside the house probably more like 58 56 so they can be really cold and in some really interesting situations i have seen frost on stone countertops in a house that had a lot of humidity in it they you know they they turn the thermostat down at night to save energy Mm -hmm. you know house temp would get to be 58 degrees and they're pumping it out with a humidifier because it, you know, it doesn't, you know, crack the skin and all and drying. And actually, I've seen frost just on the exterior wall, you know, right to where the backsplash would touch the exterior. I've seen that right behind the kitchen faucet because that was the highest humidity and it also had trapped airspace. So that humidity just sat there next to that wall. The wall got really cold and it was moist and it went from vapor form to crystalline ice form. It was something to see. You know, it just made me kind of think because my house is very tight. It's well insulated, got good windows, good doors. And it just seemed like when I touched the counters, I go, God, that's cold. Oh, yeah. It it always was. Now, here's here's the thing for you. Here's the ticket, John. A thermal break, a thermal break, a break between the cold and the warm. So in window technology, uh, we had these aluminum windows, steel windows back when. Well, those critters got cold. Then we came up with this whiz-bang glass, so we'd make the glass that was better insulated. But then as long as it was touching the steel or the aluminum, the stuff was cold as bejeebus. So then it's like, well, let's put a plastic material between the outside aluminum and the inside aluminum. Now this is still done in vinyl windows and, you know, manufactured windows. But the concept is don't let the cold outside touch the warm inside. And so if you were to put a piece of, say, styrofoam between your countertops and your exterior wall, you would have that thermal break and you would stop Ah, that radiant transfer or conductive transfer. In other words, by touching it, it would gain or lose heat. So, And we have those around fireplaces. So people call and they say, I've got this leak around my stone chimney. Just keeps coming. I can't stop it. I fixed it. You know, it's not a leak. It's condensation from that really cold hunk of stone, which you have in house form, brick, full masonry. And it just gets really cold. Okay. Well, you know, you answered my question. I I guess there's nothing wrong. It's normal. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, and people say, well, how, I, I don't want it to happen. How much does it cost to fix? It's like, well, we're going to pull out all your cabinets. We're oh. then going to put a, a sheet of uh, foam between your outside wall and your inside. Oh, but that stuff burns, so now we have to cover that with drywall. And then I guess we have to paint that. And then we put the cabinets back in and the countertops. That'll be $40,000. <laughs> say what? I think I can live what I got. <laughs> there you go, brother. That's <laughs> Careful what you ask for. You just might get it. Everything has okay. a consequence. Thank you for your show. You bet. Take care, brother. Thanks, John. Bye.
Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. I, uh, my, my wife rolls her eyes because I exaggerate to make points. Well, you know, you know, decades of that, wowzer. So anyway, but I do make my point this way because, you know, people say, well, that costs a lot of money. I'd be crazy to do that. Yeah, I agree. You'd be crazy to do that. But you asked me, what would it take to fix it? And sometimes it's akin to rebuilding the houses. And that's when you get into new homes. You know, what is the advantage of a new home? And can what then uh, insulative or energy efficient things can you do? And then you're off to the races because that's a whole nother school of technology. Uh, one is how do you build it up? Structures are easy. That's not a big deal. Uh, on a new home, you can fortify the foundation. You can put in, you know, a ton of water handling stuff. You can put in, but that's why people, you know, say, well, I can't afford a custom home. It's like, well, a custom home, the answer will be made by the homeowner. Do you want it warmer or colder? Well, I want it warmer and, and comfortable. Okay, that's a few bucks here. Okay, do you want it secure? Uh, yeah, I want really good deadbolts. Well, that's a few dollars there. So when you have a custom home, and home remodeling is by definition full custom, it is what it is, then you wind up with a homeowner making every decision for you. Or the, uh, the converse or inverse of that is that, you know, on a, a subdivision where the builder is making all those decisions, they're then applying value decisions. It's like, well, is it worth it to put thermal breaks between the countertops? And it's like, no, no, that's, that's outside the normal building process. That would cost a lot of money to do things that much different. So again, you have, you know, what's called builder grade or you know, uh, custom grade, and it gets into that in home building, customs, remodeling, gets into it to uh, a kitchen remodeling, uh, cabinet choices, countertop choices, lighting fixtures, do you go buy them off a shelf or do you order them and they take three, four, five months to come to you because that's the one you want. So just keep in mind the difference between custom and standard that, uh, you know, and, and even, you know, at, at, at Mosby Building Arts, my day job, for example, we have right bath and right bath cuts down on the custom and says, okay, these are the three most popular plumbing fixtures that we use in bathrooms. And these are, these two are affordable. So we're going to offer you those two. We can get them very quickly. We can keep the schedule. We can make it affordably installed. So basically by removing a lot of choices, we can streamline and control our process, deliver that, you know, bathroom remodel in a week, you know, where normally a full bathroom, well, how come my master bath took eight weeks? It's like, well, we had, you know, we had a computer in your shower system. It took a little while to get the plumber to get out of the way so we get the electrician in to put what you know a, a, a electrical system into your shower valve. I exaggerate again. Here we go, my wife rolling around. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. This is Cam Wex. My name is Scott Mosby and I am at your service. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. 
All right, news update here. Uh, Billiken basketball is today at 1 o'clock uh, versus St. Bonaventure here on KMOX. So there's no retire ready. I misspoke, uh, I misspoke on that. Today at 1245, they throw me off. They put on the Billikens, guys, and we talk about the pregame. So we talk about what's coming and all that. And then 1 o'clock, St. Bonaventure and the Bills right here on University of KMOX. Oh, I, love, I love local sports. Did you ever think about Here's Here's kind of where my weak mind goes so i'm watching kansas city chiefs and patrick mahomes and i'm thinking all right covid go out there bump in rub skin sweat with each other i'm thinking wow that you know the the compensation issue with uh, patrick mahomes would i rather earn two million dollars today uh or avoid covid well you know how that goes there so i mean I, and granted they do a lot of things and testing and all that but still you know, it's just a higher risk issue than me sitting here in a room by myself. Uh, phone lines, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's go to my buddy, Jason. Hey, Jason, good morning. How can I help you, my friend? Scott, I'll take the $2 million, but I don't have the arm for it. So, <laughs> How did we inherit the- Kansas City? I mean, we lost uh, football uh, teams for the last 30, 40 years. It's like we did okay in that trade. I think I think we won. I think that's America's team now. Amen, I'm in the middle of a kitchen project, Scott, and I'm, I'm about had enough of it. So I've added some cabinets. They don't match the rest of my cabinets. I want to have everything painted. Yeah. And I'd like it to look, you know, I'd like it to look really good. And uh, I've, I've had some painters don't even want to do that type of job, but I've talked to a couple of cabinet painters. One wants to build a tent in my house and do mm-hmm. a lot of things here, and one will take everything and spray that somewhere else and he made a big deal out of the type of sprayer and i can't remember what it was but Mm -hmm. uh something that was very special is that something that a handy guy could buy and get a good result you know or or rent and try to get a good result or uh can you just tell me your thoughts on that (laughs) absolutely uh so you have a car and you're going to repaint your car that's the question you're asking me. Can okay. I paint it myself or should I get a professional? So let's pretend you go out and you spend a gazillion dollars on the sprayer mechanism. Well, then there's the choice of stain, uh, the solvent, then the cleanup, and then there's the over, you know, and then there's just the sheer skill of laying down a perfect finish or near perfect finish versus dobbing it around with a, so again, you know, I'm a pretty good painter. I wouldn't touch this with a 10 foot pole. This is for the pros. And you, you it, and this is a classic exaggerated paint question. You know, you get what you pay for, you know, if you're going to do it on site, and this is the same question of uh, sanding and finishing hardwood floors in the home site finish if you have the guy come in and build a tent you will get an inherently more even finish because they'll be able to see the surrounding and all of that but for that you have overspray spray issues and it's an airless sprayer or eight high volume low pressure hvlp what we call it that's what it was Scott. yeah that's it just blows the product yeah but and, and that's 
anyway, the point being that uh, you kind of get what you pay for. Um, On-site is a little bit better because you can deal with all the issues and see the mismatches there. You do indeed get a pretty good quality when you go off-site because then that painter can control the curing, the temperature, the material temperature of the air, all that stuff, and you're not sending all kinds of fumes throughout the rest of the house. Uh, For me, you know, either way goes fine, you know, but this time of year, if you're going to have it painted in the winter, you really, after that paint, you need to change the air in that house because, you know, it's uh, even if it's a water-based product, you still have off-gassing. So it kind of gets to what do you want to live with. I guarantee anybody uh, professionally applying will do a great job. And then it just gets to how careful and how caring they are. And you're buying people on that one, and you're buying reputations as well, and the price will line up accordingly. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you're seeing it right. It just, uh, but you know those those painter those paint products those uh, HVLPs are they're number one they're a blast to play with. But I'll tell you what I've run a lot of gallons through a lot of that, and I am not a professional. Uh, I look better, but I'm not a professional. So I have the big boys do that one. All right. Thank you, Scott. Okay, Jason. Take care. Good call. Appreciate Thanks. It. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. I'm going to take a little break here, try and get back on schedule here. My big mouth gets me into the corner here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Okay, ice melt, Scott Mosby here. If the temperature is going to be very, very cold when the snow falls, i.e. 18 degrees, 20 degrees, long below freezing, you don't really need to pre-treat for ice because that stuff will sit right on top. You can blow it off with a leaf blower, electric or power, just a broom if you'd like. But if you get up close to 30 degrees, 20, right around that freezing point, it's going to come in liquid form or turn to liquid form. That's when you need to pre-treat your ice uh, stuff. And, And the anticipating, because the highway guys are out pre-treating but their highways are in the direct sun so the temperature of that uh pavement might be pretty close to freezing so when that cold snow hits you know because it's been warmed radiation heat of the sun the temperature of that pavement might be more prone to a liquid water therefore sheet ice and that's why they're pre-treating let's go to my friend uh, kent and see what's cooking hey kent good morning welcome to KMOX. how can i help good morning scott Hey, I bought a um, log cabin that was built in 1969. Mm-hmm. It's never been lived in permanently. Uh, it has bark on it, on the mm-hmm. logs. The bark is, I'm in the process of scraping the bark off okay. uh, so I can coat it. I'm going to paint it, I believe, instead of staining it. But all these years, I've got some weather-damaged logs. They're not rotten, but they're they're cracked. And mm-hmm. I was wondering, is there a primer that I need to use on these logs to fill those cracks? Yeah. Or Kent, Kent I'm going to yeah. pat you down. I've got less than a minute to, to respond. I've got a lot to say, so you, you won't be able to... Uh, speak here. Um, those logs are uh, milled 
and they're dried, they're stacked into a home, they turn back into a tree or they try to, t so they split and they check and they leave gaps. Those gaps do need to be filled, especially if you're painting. They would be sanded, cleaned, uh, primered, and then filled with some sort of, usually an epoxy material that goes in that order. Then you need to reprime over that patch and the log itself. Um, and I understand what and why you're painting, but it's a big job and keep in mind, Surface preparation is everything. Part of surface preparation is that crack filling, uh, and, and it'll stick if you do it right, uh, but uh, check into it further, and we'll talk about that more next hour. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, lunchtime, bean time, middle of the day, middle of the lunch. We are live and lively, 50,000 watts, discussing all things around single digits. Yeah, it's chilly, it, and it's getting chillier. Uh, Anyway, 314-436-7900 puts us together on the phone lines. 314-436-7900, toll free, 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. Various types of ice melt, and I've kind of alluded to this in the first hour, uh, chlorides tear up concrete. Chloride tears up concrete. One of the accelerators we use in pouring concrete foundations, flat, flat work, whatever it is, in the concrete industry to speed up the chemical reaction, make it set, or you might think of it as dry faster. It is a chemical reaction. One of the byproducts is heat, but to make it cure faster, chloride accelerates that chemical reaction, creating more heat, making it cure more rapidly. What happens when concrete dries more rapidly is you shorten its life because there are various bonds that go on when this stuff um, cures and the slower more comfortable careful time the concrete gets to kind of bond hold on hug all the particles inside that mass of plastic concrete when it's first poured the better it is so accelerating and the product you know chloride and concrete is called the accelerant uh, but keep in mind it messes with concrete so when you're pouring a foundation and you can just up the richness so instead of 3000 psi concrete i'm going to put a little accelerant or chloride in it two percent chloride make it cure faster okay well then we just boost it to 3500 psi we just put more strength in there and we overcome and offset that uh choice so everything's a choice everything's chemistry it's all kind of how you know concrete guys man manage this thing or not um, so again as you richen the concrete you increase PSI you uh, five sack mix used to be five, 3000 PSI now there are other um, uh, admixtures that go into that concrete one of them being fly ash because we're in a coal uh, fired um, uh, electrical generation we have this dusty particle fly ash which is pretty close to cement so we can put fly ash in, get rid of the fly ash, uh, boost the strength of the concrete, but you still, you know, by putting more of that in, you put in less 
cement, well, that doesn't make the concrete stronger. But if you keep the 3,000 pound, add a little fly, you know, you still, anyway, the, the point being is as we, as we add stuff to concrete, we mess with its performance. We change the outcome. Uh, likewise, when you put chloride on top of a slab concrete at, in its poured form, it will hasten the life of that concrete so it deteriorates so if you put rock salt or sodium chloride NaCl right on top of that concrete slab you know you're running the risk of one rock one salt nugget having a high intensity of chloride right on that one spot it soaks in with the water the rain the melting snow whatever it is and it will accelerate the deterioration, and you wind up with a POCH, P-O-C-H, you know, a blister, a pop, and that's where you're looking at raw concrete or, or raw stones in your concrete. You're saying, this is messed up concrete. Well, the same thing happens if you don't slow down concrete. You pour it 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's 100 degrees and the sun's on it. Well, that cures so rapidly that you... Um, cure the top surface of concrete and it shrinks and it literally shears off of the base of the concrete. So you don't have one mass, you wind up with a slab of concrete and this sloughing off surface part. My point is, chloride's not good accelerating the cure rate of concrete, uh, whether in ice melting or chloride admixtures for concrete. You know, you're, 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 you're changing how we're baking this cake, you know, and you're going to burn the crust. Literally, so that's kind of the thing on chlorides. Uh, but the bottom, the other side of that, you know, careful what you ask for, you just might get it. Below 15 degrees Fahrenheit, nothing works, only salt. And then you get down to about zero, nothing works, including salt. And then you wind up throwing down sand, kitty litter. Uh, we used to put down, um, uh, what was it, coal, uh, grit, I forget the stuff. Um, uh, anyway, it's escaping me, but a gritty material that was a byproduct of burning coal, uh, and that was a gritty thing, but then you wind up with this black concrete. All that stuff tracks right into your house. So that's the long and the short of it, how I see the world, and uh, there are just so many consequences to those things. The point being is if you're going to use ice melt, uh, you're better off pre-treating your concrete and your asphalt and your deck in the summertime. So you need less of this really nasty stuff. One, you're protecting. You're holding the moisture up toward the surface. If it turns into ice, so be it. It comes off easier. It's kind of like Teflon for your deck, Teflon for your concrete, Teflon for your asphalt. So that's kind of how this all works. My point being, but the one thing that really works, and when you talk about, well, I've got a pet-friendly, environmental-friendly, all of that, you know, and, and that's when you're getting into uh, calcium magnesium acetate, CMA, that's environmental and pet-friendly. But sometimes it's not 100% CMA. It's just a little bit of it. Anyway, just be aware, your better play today might be if the temperature's dropping, and you wind up with a very fluffy concrete, just blow it off or broom it off. Um, uh, because, you know, it's coming in the afternoon. If you wind up doing this at 10 o'clock in the morning and the sun comes, it can turn all that cold snow right into water. So anyway, along long and the short of this, you know, ice melt, according to Scott. Uh, I promise we will get to the phone lines here in the second hour. 
We're going to 1245 when our uh, news team, our our sports team, takes up Billikens versus St. Bonaventure. Uh, That game's 1 o'clock today. They throw me off at 1245 because I talk too much about chloride. Anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We're going to get into the phone calls when we come back after this right here on University of KMOX. All right, lunchtime, middle of the day, 1245 out time, going to St. Bonaventure in the Billiken basketball game. Uh, let's go to my friend John here, see what's happening. John, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. Thanks for your patience. Uh, good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Very good. Okay. Uh, I'm calling on behalf of my mother. She's 84. She lives in a mobile home. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'm kind of concerned with this prolonged uh, cold uh, period we're going to have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, uh, She's got a skirting kit, which is uninsulated. However, uh, uh, we we did put heating tape on the wire lines underneath, and I insulated the water spigot going out, uh, uh, you know, the outside water spigot. Mm-hmm. And she's going to let her uh, tonight, probably for the next, you know, next week, she's going to let her water trickle in her faucets. Uh, the reason why it's calling, uh, is there anything else she could do to kind of, Prepare for this coach bill. And let me add one good. thing. She let me add one last thing. She's lived at this place for about fifteen years, and you know we've had coach bills in fifteen years, and she's never ever had a problem. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, you're uh, the mobile home's fifteen years older, so I get all that. Um, but just just open your cabinet doors. You're all over this thing, frankly, John. I uh, you've got it pretty well going on. I think uh, insulated heat tape, all of that. Just inspect what you get, expect. So make sure you know if you wrap that heat tape around that pipe, make sure that electrical outlet keeps working. Um, you know, sometimes GFCI's trip. Um, sometimes the tape or plug gets loose. So just make sure you check that heat tape and the steps you've taken. The only thing I would suggest beyond that is open the cabinet doors underneath the sinks in the bathroom and the kitchen. Uh, leave the blower motor running. I like your dripping water. Uh, that includes, you know, flushing a toilet every now and again. So uh, I, I think you're doing pretty well. And based on really no big problems in 15 years, uh, you're, you're probably as well prepared as, as you can be. Well, that's important. I'm glad you said about that. I'll check that today. The, I'm going to go over there and visit her. I'm going to uh, check that uh, electrical electrical outlet. See if uh, uh, I'm going to actually. I don't. I, I can't. It's kind of dark under there. I'm going to. I'll probably yeah. take a little lamp with me and uh, uh, plug in the lamp. And if the lamp comes on, that means it's working. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, well, not necessarily because some. I mean, you know, you get a two percent failure rate in heat tape, so you can get perfect electric right up to that heat tape. Sometimes they have thermostats, you know, that turn it off at forty degrees and above, and you know, just make sure, just grab the outside of that. If that pipe's warm, you're good to go. Okay, thank you for your program. I really enjoy it. You bet, John, and thanks for your preparation. I wish we all were ready as you are. Okay, thank you. You bet. Next up, let's talk to my friend Ingrid. Hey, Ingrid, Scott Mosby here, Lunchtime KMOX. How can I help, my friend? Yes. Um, I live in a ranch house, and I have two sinks that are along a south-facing wall. The one is the kitchen with the cabinet underneath, and then I have one in the basement in the utility room, and it also has a cabinet underneath. So mm-hmm. am I supposed to leave both of these, like, with water dripping, running out of them since they're on exterior walls? Uh, I would definitely open those doors. 
Uh, people make the mistake of putting blow dryers in there and heater. Don't do that. Just let Mother Nature, let the heat that's in your house, if you're heating your house to 70, 72 degrees, and you're moving that warm air throughout, meaning also around the P-trap and the pipes underneath the uh, sinks, uh, you're there. Now, down in the basement, is that below grade underground? The sink is, but the pipes, because, you know, they're uh, along the ceiling. Um, and then yeah. there's one pipe that's, that um, goes to the faucet outside. Yeah. Hose bib, which yeah. I wrap the faucet outside because it sticks out too far with a lot of towels. But um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, if the shut-off valve works. And then right, the, right. the uh, main water um, shut-off valve is on the north wall in the basement. Yeah, well, down below grade like that, Mother Nature works for you because it's a big isolator, big hunk of soil, doesn't allow that cold weather to touch. But up there above grade around your floor joists at the ceiling line in your basement, you're right, you're on top of this thing. So uh, better safe than sorry. If you're not sure, uh, go the extra step. Um, uh, I actually warm up the temperature in my house and I normally run it about 70 degrees when it gets down before I go to sleep. You know, I might take a blanket off and, and heat the house one degree warm or something like that. And that's just out of, uh, you know, fear-based maybe wisdom. It's like if it breaks and I did everything I could, I'm okay with that. But if I just didn't get around to it and I blew it off and I procrast and then it breaks, that one's on me. So it's, uh, you know, how I manage my mental health, if you will. So, you know, better safe okay. than sorry, ounce of prevention versus pound of cure, all that stuff. I think you're on it, Ingrid. Okay. And so I leave the cabinet doors open like 24-7. Well, just overnight when it gets, I mean, when it gets back up to 22 degrees tomorrow, if it does, you know, you can close it up there because you already know that it does fine at 22 degrees. When it's down at 8, um, and the first few hours are not a big deal. But, you know, after it's been down to 8 degrees for, say, 4 hours, and usually the problems are 4, 5, 6 in the morning when you don't have any sun, the building materials aren't warmed by the sun anymore. Even if it's a cloudy day, it's still warmer than nighttime, you know, that time. So generally daytimes, you know, unless you're still down in single digits, I, I just leave them open just, just, to, just because I can. You know, I feel better with them open. Okay, and then do I leave the humidifier on on my um, furnace? Uh, yeah, does it have a control where you can set the amount, whether it's high, medium, and low? It actually tells, yes, there are, it tells Good. what, like, depending on which temperature, what the outside temperature is, what to set it on. Yeah. Yeah, that, because what happens is when you run your blower motor, that then runs your humidifier. But if it has a controller or some sort of a humidistat for that amount, then you may want to back that. If you're running your blower 24-7, just check your humidity. You'll know. You wake up tomorrow morning and all your windows are covered with frost on the inside. You'll know you're a little wetter than you need to be. <laughs> okay. And, and, and that's okay. And And that's okay. So it's just like, whoops, a little warm, a little wetter than I wanted. I'm going to dial that puppy back. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I, you, this has been very helpful to me. Yeah, thank it's you. it's about how I sleep, how you sleep, and the way I do that is, you know, I just, I'm accountable for my A game. You know, if I did everything I can and my pipes freeze, you know, okay. I You know, I lost, but I didn't lose by being a chump. <laughs> okay. Great. Oh, thank you so much. You bet, Ingrid. Take care.
By now. Good calls there. I mean, how do I protect? So, uh, you know, the first call was John and the skirting, which is between a mobile home and the ground, usually a couple of feet to two and a half feet above ground where the wheels normally are for the mobile part of that. Um, there's a skirting or a wind block, kind of a, you know, just like putting a barrier around the perimeter to keep that cold wind from blowing underneath that uh, floor, uh, whether it's summer or winter. Well, in doing so, you kind of trap a little bit of heat because any heat that radiates or leaks out through the floor keeps that kind of crawl space or the space underneath that home a little warmer than normal. So then, you know, John got in there with heat tape because the pipes, the plumbing, and all the services, the elect, everything that comes utility-wise to that portable home, it, you know, comes up through that skirt area. Uh, well, we might think of that as where our crawl space is on a you know regular home or a basement on a full foundation house. Anyway, so much there. Um, let's get to uh, uh, see if I can sneak in Janine. Hey, Janine, Scott Mosby here. Happy afternoon, and how can I help? Are you there, Janine, or did I put you to sleep? I'm Jobina Foster. All right. <laughs> how can I help you? Uh, I was calling Scott to see... How do you determine which space heater or baseboard that you would get for a room that the radiator uh, is not there? Mm -hmm. It's connected to the dining room, which has a radiator. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting older here, and I get a little colder. And I just want to know which is better, the baseboard or get a space heater? Uh, for that room, a, a baseboard heat, it can be a space heater. So you go to the store and you buy one. The right size for that heater, ha- when it's electric and it's portable then here, Janine, it goes off of the size of the electrical circuit. And that will be 15 amps or about 1,500 watts, somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500 watts for that whole circuit. Um, so, and and what I mean is the electrical plug that comes out of the wall, um, in your kitchen, out in your garage, um, around a a vanity in in your apartment building. Okay. Well, it's still the same if you're out there, but, uh, how old is the apartment building, Janine? 80 years old. Okay. So it has a two prong plug. Um, and that, that's okay. But if you're going to heat that, um, outside room, uh, then I would advise a 12 to 1500 watt portable heater. Uh, if if you really want it to move the air around, get one with a fan. Uh, okay. A baseboard heater doesn't have a fan; it just gets warm, and it worry and it works by convection heat, meaning heat rises, and so it just circulates the air without a fan. I like fans better when it gets really cold. I I buy extra insurance, so. Um, a really good space heater when it gets really cold has a very low slow fan it might be oscillating but generally no more than 12 to 1500 watts because it'll just blow the circuit and then you wind up with nothing okay that is really helpful yep because uh, this this living room is next to the dining room and it only has one radiator yeah not adequate right now i'm getting too old and cold well, that's a good thing. I aspire to get older, too. Yes, yes. My birthday <laughs> is on the 18th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is where you do the high five, and yeah, I made it so far, you know. Oh, good for us. Yeah. Amen. Okay, Scott, thank you very much. I love your program. I listen every Saturday to whomever's on there. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Janine. Thanks for being part of the Camelx family. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now.
And, and there you have it. I mean, Janine's facing, okay, I've got a room. It's got a, you know, a radiator in it. Well, radiators just get warm. And like a baseboard radiant heat, it gets hot and then the air rises above that. As it rises, it kind of pushes some of the cold air on the ceiling and the other side of the room down, so then that cold air moves back over by the radiator, and you wind up with this uh, whirling uh, circulation of air from the floor to the wall to the ceiling, down the other wall to the floor to the radiator, and, and, and so a baseboard heat, heater does the same thing. The downside of radiant heat and why when we go into a home at when we're remodeling or a whole house remodel, we will add a forced air furnace, um, but we don't take out the radiant heat. Uh, the radiators are dandy. I mean, they're an awesome way to heat a house. They just don't blow anything around. So what I could suggest to Janine is she might put a little portable fan, you know, in the dining room there and the living room, too, to move that heat around because mixing it up, whether it's a furnace-mounted fan, a ceiling fan, a portable fan, um, anything like that. The only fan you really don't want to run is the exhaust fan in the kitchen and the bathroom because that sucks all that warm air out and blows it away into the exterior of the house, which when you're dealing with fumes and carbon monoxide, stuff like that. That's okay, but uh, frankly, just a circulating fan. Uh, this is Scott Mosby. I am here to help, and uh, I'm, I'm blessed. I feel grateful to be here. Uh, this is a really feel-good thing for me to help people every Saturday. Um, part of why I feel like I walk the earth is to help and, and uh, touch as many people as I can, you know, throughout my life and especially on Saturday mornings on here on CamoX. Uh, stay tuned uh, at a, uh, one or, well, 12.45, almost 1 o'clock here. We're going to go to St. Bonaventure and the St. Louis Ubilican basketball right here on KMOX. I'll be right back for more after this on University of KMOX. All right, back together, home improvement, Scott Mosby. 50,000 watts discussing all things cold winter. Uh, let's, uh, well, I've got a very fascinating call here from Brian. Hey, Brian, Scott Mosby, welcome to lunch on KMOX. I've been dying to see your phone call. What's cooking, brother? Well, well, the problem is I've got two fireplaces with both separate flues or tiled flues in the same masonry mass. Mm. When I have a fire in the upstairs, I get smoke coming in the basement. Yep. I totally get I just, it. I, I just can't figure out the cause. Sometimes I'll vent a window or mm. I'll open the flue in the basement, but I still get something. Yeah. Well, think about this. So now you've got a water, is a gas-fired water heater, too, with a flue? Yes. Okay, so that thing's running whenever it's running. And as it's running, it's one little vacuum cleaner uh, hose stuck to your house drawing a negative pressure. Now you have a furnace that comes on. And most furnaces, the ductwork is underserved for return, so it's going to push harder than it pulls. So sometimes it will try and get the makeup air or a leak in your house, open window, open door, down your fireplace. So I often get this question on backdrafted smoking fireplaces because when the furnace comes on, it, try, it gets the air from wherever it has to. My point being that you have a tight house. You do need indeed makeup air from an open window or something like that. The issue is when you get a roaring, and I am a fire freak. I mean, I am a pyromaniac. When I build a fire indoors or outdoors, it's a big one. So it that what I'm saying by that is it's an incredibly 
of vacuuming negative pressure as the air rises up that fireplace. With it goes a ton of air that I just paid to heat and humidify. Uh, and it's going to get that air uh, from wherever it can. So you're better off cracking a window near that fireplace. Uh, location matters. The closer to the exhaust point being your chimney, the closer the makeup air will come from. And, and that's just that's why people say, gosh, I love burning fires, but every place in the rest of the house gets cold when I run the fireplace. Well, that's because it's sucking all the makeup air through all those windows and doors at the other end of the house. Uh, so that all makes sense. But it, it will draw through that nearest leak even if you close the damper it's all it's still steel on steel but that's kind of where you're coming from brian okay okay so just crack a window and and yeah if it continues who do i call if it continues if i still can't figure it out or get it to work well here's another deal what what kind of fire for example when we put in a unit fireplace or a a portable fireplace there's a place mm -hmm. for makeup air or what's called combustion air so when you have a hole in the bottom of your firebox sometimes on the floor sometimes down on the sides near the floor of your firebox the air comes in from the outside usually through the wall and combust right. burns and then straight up the chimney and you don't wind up with the same negative pressure because you have makeup air right in that box okay Okay. You follow me? Yeah, because in an 80-year-old house, I didn't think I'd have to worry about negative pressure. <laughs> 80 years yeah. ago, we didn't know anything about negative pressure. Just like yeah. burn it, make it hot, and hold it in. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, but, yeah. So think along those lines. I'm trying to empower you, Brian, to figure this out because it right. is a leak, a hole, make-up air, and it's an outside source outside your uh, heated envelope or the home box itself. Uh, and think that way. So the closer the window is, the better. If you're tired of opening windows, freezing yourself out at the toes, you can then call somebody, a mason, a fire, and they can put in a makeup air. It'll be pricey. You know, they, it's easier to do when it's getting built new. Right. Okay. Yep. I thought about that even. Okay. So yeah, just, okay, just keep great. in mind, it, it, it's not the only negative pressure in your house. Your water heater, uh, as well as your furnace, are, are blowing vacuum negative pressure. And every time somebody turns on the bath fan or your kitchen fan, you increase the negative pressure or the downdraft leaking uh, of a burning fireplace or a not burning fireplace. That air is coming from somewhere. Okay. Okay. With a, with a, a house efficiency or... Um, yeah. evaluation help that yeah but they're going to tell um, you the same thing basically they they quantify uh my advantage is we were in that business for 10 or 15 years so we kind of learned how all that stuff works now we go to it but when we really need to know and we need to quantify well how much air do we need or how many btus do we need then you have to go to the blower doors you know and the duct blaster and okay. all of you know and everything you just have to you have to go there to find the answer okay great Thank okay. you. Thanks, Brian. Take care. And a uh, question here. I've got Suzanne on the other line. I'm not going to answer that call because I've only got about 45 seconds. Suzanne, question is, a de shall I use a dehumidifier in the winter? Uh, the answer kind of is no slash maybe. Uh, generally, your furnace dries out the air a bunch, so you generally don't need dehumidifiers. But if you have a leaky basement or a room in the basement where the, it's just too humid and you can smell that you know, musty smell, whatever, that's the room where you need the dehumidifier and it really matters. So if you have too much moisture, then you would use your dehumidifier. Generally, um, setting an automatic um, moisture um, 
hygrometer on your dehumidifier, just like medium or normal, it'll take care of that on your own. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Stay tuned. Bill, Billiken Basketball next. <laughs> 